have to stand and, and put it out there. And that person across from you, you know they're not going to accept it. You have to take the high road. And you know, you just know it's going to cost. Well, that happened to me. And I have to be honest, I was afraid. And honestly, a little annoyed too. I mean, it's one thing to suffer consequences for doing something wrong, but to suffer consequences for doing what's right? <laughs> and no one would even know except me and God. And in the end, doing the right thing lost me friends and it lost me respect and it lost, well, you get the picture. Did I get hurt for doing the right thing? Did standing up result in me being taken down? Yes. But. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are at our Sugarloaf campus and those who are at our other campuses and those who are watching online. We're really glad that you joined us. We are one church in uh, three locations, and I want to encourage you to attend the campus that's uh, closest to you. How many of you, just out of curiosity, uh, have ever suffered from back pain? Ever suffered from back pain? Thank you for joining me. Uh, there are 31 million of us. I had a ruptured disc removed when I was 23 years old, and I still occasionally tweak my back and, and suffer from lower back pain. And the fact of the matter is, there are two things that are true about all of us. On the one hand, we all, at one time or another, suffer for some reason, right? We break a leg, we lose a job, we flunk a test, we blow an interview, we miss an appointment, we bounce a check, or we get a ticket for speeding, or we don't knock a ball down in the end zone. I mean, we all kind of, that just, I just got to get that out. I, I need therapy today, trust me, okay? Um, I came home, Teresa put up all the guns, all the knives, it was just a bad deal. On the other hand, we do all we can to avoid suffering, right? We pay our bills. We buckle up, we watch where we walk, we prepare for the interview, we study for the exam, and yet in spite of our best efforts, we still suffer. Well, there's another kind of suffering that I want us to talk about today, and, and, and most of us, frankly, don't experience it very often. And, and that is, it's those times when we suffer not because we did what was wrong and we got what was coming to us, it's when we suffer and we did what was right and we got what really wasn't coming to us. Because you see, there are two ways you can suffer if you think about it. Fairly and unfairly. Two kinds of suffering. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes we suffer because we get what we deserve. But sometimes we suffer because we get what we don't. That's the kind of suffering that I want to talk about today. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're in a series that we've been calling Yes but and we have found that that little three-letter word, letter word but can literally be a life-changing word. For example, yes, people may do you harm, and, and, but, but what some may mean for evil, God can use for good, right? We've learned that. None of us are perfect. Yes, none of us are, and we don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve God's forgiveness, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Yes, there are some times we just don't know what to do. We're facing a difficult decision. We've got 13 different options. We don't know which path to take. We don't know which way to go. But 
God, if he's your heavenly father's promise, he will guide you and give you wisdom to make wise decisions. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to deal with a situation that, frankly, many of us don't know very much about. But there are millions of followers of Jesus around the world who do. And we'll learn what it's about, I believe, in the days to come. If you make a decision, you're going to live for Jesus. If, you're going to, if you make a decision, you're going to stand up for what's right. If you make a decision, you're going to speak the truth that I promise you, you're going to be joining a lot of other people around the world who already know what it is to suffer, not because of doing what's wrong, but doing what is right. So if you brought a copy of a Bible or you've got an electronic device that you used, I want you to turn over toward the end of the Bible to a book called 1 Peter. You can guess it's right before 2 Peter. It's not too far from the end of the Bible, not too far from Revelation. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter, as you know, was one of the 12 disciples. He was a very, very close, one of Jesus' very best friends. And he is actually writing to a group of Christians who are under severe persecution. Now, these are believers. These are people who have lived a life of unbelief and paganism. They've given their life to Jesus Christ, and they're living the kind of life that a Christian ought to live. And yet, they're being persecuted. And, 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 and what's really bad is, it's not that they're lawbreakers because they're, they're law-abiding citizens. It's not that they're troublemakers. As a matter of fact, they're peacemakers. They don't hate anybody. They love everybody. They pay their bills. They, they try to just do, a, do their jobs right. They try to be good neighbors. They're just trying to live their life the way most of us try to live our life, right? Well, we really do. And then Peter says this in verse 13. He said, now, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Now, you wouldn't realize that, but that really is a rhetorical question because generally speaking, what Peter is saying is, look, if you try to do good things, if you try to be a good person, if you try to treat people in a good way, most of the time, you get treated good as well. If you stay true to God, you stay out of trouble. And, and most of the time, we find that's the way it works out, right? If you watch the speed limit, you generally won't get a speeding ticket. Um, if you pay your debts, you don't get into financial trouble. If you pay your taxes, you won't get audited for the most part by the IRS. And the truth of the matter is, most of us try to just be good people. We try to live a good life. We try to just go to work, do our job, raise our families, pay our taxes, pay our bills, be good neighbors. Why? Because we want life to be a good experience. But there are some of you right now, and you're saying, well, it hadn't worked out, way, out that way for me. I, I'm one of these people you may be talking about. I tried to do the right thing. I tried to do it the right way. I tried to do it at the right time, and I still got kicked in the teeth. I, I still was the one left holding the bag. I'm the guy that got the short end of the stick. Some of you right now said, hey, can I tell you my story? Somebody took something from me that did not belong to them, and I still can't get it back. Can I tell you my story? Somebody said something about me that wasn't even true, and it cost me my job. Can I tell you my story? Uh, I, I did everything right, and it all turned out wrong. Can I tell you my story? Somebody did me wrong, even though I did what was right, and there's nothing I can do about it. Now, I don't doubt, and I really don't, I don't doubt that many of you may think you've got a reason to be bitter. And some of you are thinking right now, you know, these are the kind of sermons I really don't like because you're not sitting in my chair, you don't walk in my shoes, you're not living my life. 
you don't know what I've gone through. You've never had anybody do this to you. You've never had anybody do that to you. So I'm having a hard time you standing up there and kind of giving me a lecture and kind of telling me how I ought to run my life. And trust me, I'm really not doing that. I, 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 I'm really not. Here's what I'm going to show you today. I want to show you that this man named Peter who knew what it was like to be persecuted, oh, by the way, he wound up being crucified upside down for his faith, not for doing what was wrong, doing what was right. <clears throat> this man said, named Peter said, I want to show you how God can use the bad things in your life and take you from being just good to being great. So let's think about it this way, all right? This is real easy to kind of figure out. When you're treated good for doing good, we call that fairness. When you're treated bad for doing bad, we call that justice. So, in other words, you know, we think both of those things are good. If you get what you deserve, that's fair, right? If you do something wrong and you get punished, that's fair. We call, you know, one's being fair, one's being just, okay? So, when things are fair, we say, okay, I can live with that. When things are just, we say, yep, I can live with that. All right, now watch this. When you're treated bad for doing good, we don't call that blessing. What do we call that? That's wrong. That's not fair. That's not just. And yet Peter says, no, when you're treated bad for doing wrong, that uh, for doing good, that is a blessing. In other words, Peter said, hey, if you're one of those people that got kicked in the teeth, you're one of those people that you actually suffered for actually trying to do the right thing, you're blessed. That really is not a good thing. It is a great thing. Now, I know you're sitting there going, okay, I'm already checking out of this. I, I, that's not what I expected. But this is exactly what Peter says in the very next verse. Listen. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are, let's say that word out loud. Say it like you mean it. Blessed. blessed. Okay, I know you don't mean it. We'll be hypocrites for a moment. All right, you're blessed. Now, that's what Peter said. Okay, that's not what I said. That's what Peter said. And Peter has some experience. I don't have the experience he had. But here's a man who, who who's, he speaks from what he knows. He, he's, he's, he went through more trouble than many of you will ever think about. And he said, he said, yet he said, you know what I've learned? I've learned that when I suffer for doing what's right, I really am blessed. Now, here's what's hard. Anybody can accept good when they do good. Right? We can do that. That doesn't take a lot of effort. In fact, that's fair. And, and, and fr quite frankly, if, if you're the person you ought to be, you should accept bad when you do bad because we call that just. Here's the question that I want to ask all of us today, including me. Can you accept bad when you do good? That is, how do you take the burden of being unfairly treated, unjustly persecuted, and turn it into a blessing and go from just being a good person in the eyes of the world to a great person in the eyes of God. And by the way, let me tell you why you, not, you might want to tune into this message. Because some of you right now need, to, need this message today. You're sitting there going, okay, at least, at least tell me what you've got. Least, maybe, maybe you can help me here, okay? And if you don't need it today, you may very well need it tomorrow. Because here's what Peter is going to tell us to do, all right? When you're going through a bad time, not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, not because it's fair, it's not fair, it's not right, it's not just, you ought to be getting good in your life instead of bad in your life because you've done good in your life, but you're not. What do you do? Number one, you keep your confidence complete. Keep your confidence 
complete. All right, let's get to the yes part of this equation. Yes, I get it. You dotted the I's, you crossed the T's. I get it. Yes, you went by the book, you did the right thing, you took the high road, but you still got kicked in the teeth. You turned in all of your receipts, but you lost your job while the guy that padded his expense account kept his job. I get it. Yes, you were faithful to your spouse. Your spouse was unfaithful to you, but you took the financial hit. I get it. Yes, you stood up. You just spoke up for what was right. You just told the truth, and you're the one that got blasted for it. You're the one that paid the price for it. I get that, all right? Then Peter says this. What's that little word? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Now, there's that little word, but. Now, here's what Peter says. Hey, yes, people are going to do bad things to you, to you even when you do good things to them. People are going to say bad things about you even when you say good things about them. I remember one time I was reading a story about uh, one of my, I love to read George Washington. There are several presidents I love to study, and he's one I just, I think he's, for my mind, and at least one of the you know top one or two because nobody knew how to be president until he did. And in fact, a lot of the way presidents act today, they got as a president that he said. You know, and so I love to read about George Washington. One time, uh, somebody came to him and they were asking his opinion about a certain man, and George Washington gave them a very glowing opinion about this man. And George Washington, and, and, and after he got through, they said, well, uh, General Washington, you may not know this, but this man's been extremely critical of you. And George Washington said, well, I, I know that. And the, and, the, and the man said, well, I don't understand. You know he's been extremely critical of you, but yet you were very complimentary of him. Why did you do that? And George Washington said, you didn't ask me what he thought about me. You asked me what I thought about him. And see, there are going to be times you're going to say good things about someone, and they may be saying bad things about you. And so Peter says, look, those times are going to happen. And he says, but when they do, you are blessed. Now, that raises a question you deserve an answer to. Tell me how in the world, when I'm suffering for doing what's right, when I get kicked in the teeth, not for doing wrong, for doing right, please tell me how in the world can that be a blessing, all right? Skip down to verse 17. Listen to this. For it is better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now, watch this. This is such a revealing verse. Peter says, there is one thing you can always know when you're suffering unjustly. There's one thing you can always be assured of. There's one thing you can always know that when you give someone a handshake and they return it with a face slap, there's one thing you can know. You ready? You can know you are in the center of God's will for your life. Because remember what he said? He said, it is better if it's God's will for you to suffer for what is doing, for doing good than to suffer for doing evil. Now, here's the question that we all have to ask particularly those of us who are believers, those of us who are followers of Christ. Do you believe, now this is important, do you believe that the God who loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die for you, do you believe that that God who loved you so much, he sent Jesus to die for you, do you believe he always wants what's best for you? Do you believe he always wills what's best for you? 
Now, you, you, you can't have it both ways. You say, well, yeah, I, I, I believe that. Well, then you also have to believe that the most blessed place you'll ever be in your life is in the will of God. I told my boys growing up, one of the life lessons I tried to teach them, I said, boys, I said, you've been put on this earth to do one thing, do God's will. And I said, as long as you can get up every day and you can honestly say, I really believe I'm in the center of God's will for my life, then it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. If you know that you're not violating the will of God, you're in the will of God, you're in the most best place you can be. Now, this is why this is kind of tough for us to, to, to really accept, okay? Listen carefully. Why you suffer is more important to God than what you suffer. See, we get it backwards. We don't really care why we suffer. We just care that we suffer, right? God says, you know what? I don't really, now he does care, don't misunderstand me, but God's major concern is not what are you going through. That's not God's major concern. God's major concern is why are you going through it? Because see, if you're suffering not for doing evil, but for doing good, you're not only in the will of God for your life, but listen to this, you're just like Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate example of suffering evil for doing good when he died on the cross. So if you're suffering bad things because you've done bad things, God's not turned his back on you. What is God doing? He's disciplining you. We call that justice. We call that fair. However, when you suffer uh, bad things for doing good things, God hasn't turned your back on you either. What's God doing? He's developing you. He's growing you. He's building character in you. He's growing you into what he wants to be. That's why when there's somebody unfairly treating you or slandering you or stiffing you, you need to stay confident. You say, well, golly, how do you do that? All right, go back up to verse 15. He says, here's what you need to do. In your hearts, you revere Christ as Lord. Now, let me tell you what Paul meant by, that, by, by, by this. That word revere means literally, it means to set apart or to separate or to put in a place all by itself. Here's what Peter's saying. If you're suffering right now, if you're going through a bad time, not because of doing something bad, but because you did the right thing, and I get it, and I, I know some of you out there, personally, you know I'm talking to some of you right now because I know your story, okay, and you're right. You've gotten kicked in the teeth. You've gotten treated unfairly. It's not right. You've got left holding the bag. You're sh holding the short end of the stick. You got what you didn't deserve. I, I, I get it. Yes, I got that, okay? But you got a choice. You can either focus on what someone's done for you, and then you know what you're going to wind up doing? You're going to be stewing in bitterness the rest of your life. You can do that. Or you can take everything off the shelf of your heart except Jesus. You can turn your fear into faith. You can change your focus. And here's what you've got to do. When you're going through those times in your life, when you've, you're being treated unfairly, you're being treated unjustly, you're suffering for doing what's right instead of doing what is wrong. You're not suffering for the right reason. You're suffering for a wrong reason. You have got to take, listen, this is, this is the best part of this message. You have got to take your eyes off what anybody else is doing to you. You've got to focus on the one who's in control over you. In fact, that's why God let that come into your life, to force you to fix your focus on him. That's why you've got to set him aside as Lord. Now, there's a reason why. Why do you think Peter said this specific? He didn't say, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord or Redeemer. Or, or, I mean, as, as Redeemer or, or Savior or Intercessor or Counselor. He says, revere Christ as Lord, why, why do you think he did that? Because as Lord, he is in absolute 
complete control of everything that's going on in my life. See, here's the difference. Fear is when you believe somebody else is in control of you. Faith is when you know that Jesus is in control of you. Let me give you a real life example of what I'm talking about. Maybe you remember this picture. I hope it's the pictures up there. Is the picture up there or not the picture up there? Okay, I guess there's not a picture up there. Okay, they're supposed to show this picture and it won't be up there, but uh, anyway. You remember the picture of the, um, the uh, Egyptian Christians that were beheaded on that Egyptian, on that uh, Syrian beach? It's been about, what, maybe about a year ago. They were all in orange jumpsuits. How do you remember that picture? I'm sorry it's not up there. You remember that picture? Okay. There were these, I think there were 21 of these uh, Egyptian Christians. And, 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 and they were all being beheaded by their faith. It was in February of 2015. It had been, been about a year and a half ago. Well, if you remember, they're in these orange jumpsuits, and they're about to be beheaded. And everybody in the world knew it wasn't for doing what was wrong. It was doing what was right. It's not because they hated anybody. They didn't even hate the people that were about to kill them. They were just loving Jesus. And, and, and so they, after they were beheaded, ISIS put out this video. You may remember. And, 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 and they put a caption across the screen, and here's what it said. People of the cross, followers of the hostile Egyptian church. That's what they put on the caption, right? Well, moments later in the video, as they take the knife of the throat of those Egyptian Christians, here's the amazing thing. You don't see any fear. You don't see any, 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 uh, any trepidation at all. There's no outburst. There's no cry. But here's what they did. It's amazing. To a man, just before they died, they gazed up to heaven. And here were their final words in Arabic, Yarabi Yasu. Yarabi Yasu. You know what that is in English? My Lord Jesus. Now, how in the world could men who are on a beach, knowing they're about to die, knowing they're about to have their throat slit, how could they act that way? How could they die that way? Here's how. They kept their confidence complete. These men had already, before they knelt down on that beach, they had set Christ apart as Lord of their life. And they said, Lord, whether we live or whether we die, whether we're treated fairly or unfairly, it doesn't matter. You are in complete control of us, and we're going to keep our confidence in you. So, number one, you keep your confidence complete. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing, keep your convictions constant. Keep your convictions constant. Now, Here's another reason why suffering for doing good is a blessing. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, here's what he's saying. This is so good. This, this, I can't tell how this message ministered to me, and I don't even live this a lot. God wants to take your suffering. Now, listen, especially when you're suffering for doing what's right. This is when God really can shine. This is when you can really shine. God wants to take your suffering and my suffering and how you respond to it and turn it into a platform to be a witness for him. See, suffering for righteousness is a divine opportunity to, to, to shine light into darkness. Because when, when you're going through these tough times and you just absolutely make up your mind, I'm not going to be bitter, I'm not going to be revengeful, I'm not going to try to get even, I'm just going to trust God for my suffering, and I'm going to show people this is how a believer responds. This is how a lover of Jesus responds. This is how someone who absolutely is confident that God is in control, this is how somebody responds, even when they're being treated unfairly, 
Peter says, you know what? People will ask, how do you do that? How do you keep your joy? What keeps you going to church? Why don't you turn your back on God? Why do you, what keeps you on your feet? Why aren't you angry? Why aren't you bitter? Why aren't you fighting back? Why aren't you trying to get even? Because let me tell you something. Nothing gets the world's attention than when, when we live completely different from the world. Nothing. When you live differently and you act differently and you don't act the way everybody expects you to act or the way they would act, it's something about that that gets your attention. And Peter says, when that happens, we need to be ready and prepared to give an answer for those who care enough to ask questions about our faith. By the way, that word answer, you may or may not know this, that word answer comes from the Greek word apologia. What do you think we get from that word? What English word? Apology, right? Now, the word apology, we've changed it. it, it originally, apo an apology was not when you said, I'm sorry. An apology was when you would defend. It literally means to defend what you believe and defend why you believe it. That's where we get the word apologetics from. And what Peter is saying is, count it a blessing. When you get the opportunity to share your faith because you're suffering for doing right. And let me just be, can I be honest with you? Prosperity does not give you that opportunity. Adversity gives you that opportunity. Pleasure does not give you that opportunity. Pain gives you that opportunity. I heard somebody say this just the other day. I thought it was a great statement. Somebody said, don't waste the bad times in your life. Too many of us do. We waste the bad times in our life. Something bad happens, what do we do? We do the same thing everybody else does. We get mad. We stomp our feet. We say, this is not right. I'm going to get even. I'm going to pay you back. You're not going to get away with this. I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't give you any kind of a platform at all, but it's when you say, you know what? No, I, I haven't been treated fairly. I've not been treated justly here. I've not been treated right here. But Lord, I'm trusting you. I know I'm in the center of your will because I've done what was right. And if I've done what was right, that's all that matters. Because you're not really concerned about as much about what's happening to me as why it's happening and how I'm going to respond to it. So Peter says, when those times come, be ready. Be ready not only when those times come, and it's going to happen to all of us. Be ready when somebody kicks you in the teeth. Be ready when you get left holding the bag or the short in the stick. Be ready when you're treated wrong for doing what's right. Be ready and be ready to give an answer. I was reading the other day about a man in a restaurant. True story. And all of a sudden, he knocked the glass off his table. His face turned red. His eyes were bulging because he'd gotten a piece of steak lodged in his throat, and he couldn't breathe. Well, there, there was another man who was across the room, and he kind of saw this happening, and he kind of glanced around the room, you know, hoping somebody would rush to, to, to help him. And, and everybody just kind of, he said, just kind of froze up. And, and he said, you know, he said, I, I didn't really know what to do, but I'd heard about the Heimlich maneuver. So he said, he pushed his chair back. He ran over to this man's side. He said, I wrapped my, my arms around this guy's chest. I squeezed one time. He said, that piece of, you know, beat came out of that man's throat. And he said, when that man took a breath of air, he said, that's the sweetest sound I've heard in 15 years. That, that, that you know, the man was going to live. So he went, everybody kind of went back to eating and finished their meal. He said he started to leave the restaurant. He said the, the man who almost choked to death, his wife had left a note for him before he left and was thanking him for what he had done in saving her husband's life and thanking him that unlike everybody else, he didn't freeze up and he wasn't afraid to help. Now, what I want you to listen to is what this man said in response to this lady's note because I thought it was so good. Here's what this man said. He said no one could have been more afraid it wasn't absence of fear that made the difference. The difference was I was prepared. This experience taught me 
that I might be the only hope for someone whose life hangs in the balance. And I'll tell you, I read that story and I thought, that is exactly what Peter's trying to tell us. Remember, when bad things happen to you, even though you've been a good person, God is wanting to take those, that situation and turn it into a platform so you can share Jesus with someone who otherwise might not ever listen, might not even ever care to hear the gospel. That's why when you suffer unjustly, don't ever suffer silently and don't ever suffer defiantly. You suffer reliantly on the one who wants to use you to bear witness for him. Because listen, what is it we're to give an answer for? Peter says, always give, be ready to give an answer. Well, an answer for what? He said, it is for the hope that we have. Well, what is that hope? It is the hope that we serve a resurrected Lord who's in control of our lives and will always guide us to where we need to go and always guard us and, and, and make sure that we get wherever he wants us to go. He'll always give us what we need to have at exactly the moment we need to have it. So here's the point Peter's making. Peter's saying, look, let me tell you what I've learned. You know what's really important about you right now? It's not where you are in your life. That's what you think is important. That's not what's important. What's important, Peter said, is not where you are in your life. What is important is, where is Jesus in your life? That's what's important. If Jesus is where he needs to be, you're right where you ought to be. And if Jesus is where he needs to be, and you're right where he ought to be, you can know that you're being blessed, and you can know he's going to work everything out. Because if you've got Jesus, you've got hope. And by the way, one of the things the world needs to understand is this. Our hope is totally different from the world's hope. You say, well, what is different from our hope and, and their hope? Here's what's different. Our hope is not found here. And our hope is not found now. Now, the world's hope is here. What does the world put its hope in? Money, science, success, power, medicine, education. You know why the world keeps getting disappointed? Because we'll never know enough, we'll never have enough, and we'll ne never be able to spend enough to solve all of our problems. Never. The world's hope is now. Because for the world, now is all there is. You know how my hope is different? My hope is not in the here and now. My hope is in the there and the then. Our hope is not in the world down here. It's in the risen Lord who is up there. Because there is no hope to what we hold in our hands. Our only hope is in the God who holds us in his hands. And that's why our hope is different. And the world needs to see that our hope is different. But you've got to have a conviction that because Jesus is the risen Lord, there's always hope in every situation. There's always victory at the doorstep of every defeat. And there's always life even in death. So Paul, so Peter says, okay, you're going through a tough time and it's not right and it's not fair. And I know the devil wants you bitter. And I know the devil wants you angry. And I know the devil wants you to spend all your time thinking about how can I get even? How can I pay that person back? Peter says, keep your confidence complete. Trust him as Lord. He's in control. Keep your convictions constant. You be ready to share a reason why you don't act like the world and you don't react like the world and why you walk in faith and not in fear. That's second step. And then here's the third step. Keep your conduct clean. Now, 
this is um, something I didn't expect, and you didn't, probably didn't expect either. Peter said, there are going to be times when you are going to just stand up for what's right, and people are going to knock you down. He said, look, there are going to be times when all you're trying to do is speak up for what's right, and people will try to shut you down. And what Peter's saying is, you still stand up, and you still speak up. But then notice what he says. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, let me tell you something God had to teach me. And, and I, I, and I, be honest, I, I, I've kind of had to learn it sometimes the hard way. As I've dealt with, and, and I have in my, as you can imagine, another pastor, I've dealt with skeptics. I've dealt with atheists. I've dealt with agnostics. I've dealt with people who can't stand the church. I've dealt with people who reject Christianity. I've dealt with people who deny the Bible. I've dealt with people who think we're all just a bunch of hypocrites. And for a long time, and I'm just being open and transparent, for a long time, I thought it was my job to win an argument. I thought, that's why you got a PhD, James. That's why you got this education. That's why you got this ring. That's why you read. That's why you love apologetics. And I do. I love apologetics. And, you know, I thought my job was to win an argument. And one day I finally realized I was winning some battles but losing the war. And, and God finally woke me up and said, let me tell you something, son. Your job's not to win the argument. Your job's to win their heart. It's not to win an argument. Jesus never tried to win an argument. He tried to win their heart. And so here's what I want to tell, say this to you. No matter how much you may be disrespected, never be disrespectful. There's some people running for office that can learn a big lesson there. I'll just leave it right there. No matter how much you're ridiculing, don't ridicule. Take other people seriously, whether they take you seriously or not. Because I want to tell you something. Nobody will ever be bullied into the kingdom of God. Nobody will ever be belittled into the kingdom of God. Nobody will ever be argued into the kingdom of God. Listen, I've been dealing with someone for, for, right, for I guess, almost for two years. This person is an unbeliever. They're skeptical. When I first, meeting, first started meeting with this person, they ridiculed some things I believed. Uh, they let me know right up front they were absolutely hostile to Christianity. And I have to be honest, for the first few times that I met with this person, I said, I'm going to win this argument. I, I, I'm, I'm going to destroy this person's reason. And I got nowhere. So finally, one day, this person came in to see me, and I said, hey, we're going to start over. And I said, uh, let, let's just understand a couple of things. All I care about is truth. That's all I care about. That's all I want you to care about is truth. And here's what I'm going to promise you more than ever. Whether you ever come to Christ or not, whether you ever agree with anything I say or not, whether you even like anything I believe or not, I'm going to love you and I'm going to respect you. And the reason why this person keeps coming back to my office and seeing me is not because that this person is convinced of my beliefs, because I don't think he's any more convinced of my beliefs now than he was when we first started, but, and, and, but it's because of my behavior. And I finally understood, you know what? Logic is not going to get me anywhere with this person. Love will get me everywhere with this person. So Peter says, do it with gentleness and respect. Keep your conduct clean, which leads to the last step. Here's the last thing he says. Keep your conscience clear. Keep your conscience clear. Now listen to how Peter closes all this up, verse 16. 
He says, do all this, defend what you believe, stand up for what's right, but keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now here's what he says. He says, look, forget what you're going through for just a minute. Let's put that aside. If you have a clear conscience, you're living right, you're acting right, you're treating others right who treat you wrong, he says, you can trust God to take care of them. You don't have to shame them. You don't have to put them in their place. You don't have to pay them back. You don't have to see that they get what they deserve. He says, God will do that. And he said, by the way, your trust will cause others to notice your witness. And here's the point now he's really trying to make to us. It is better to be right with God and wrong with the world than wrong with God and right with the world. It's better to be right with God and wrong with the world than wrong with God and right with the world. See, here's the one thing you can always say with absolute, comp complete confidence conviction. Whenever you're being harmed for doing what's right, and some of you are right now, here's what you can always say. You can always say this, Lord, I'm not going to lie because you know the truth about me anyway. I don't like what's happening to me. And what's happening to me is not right. And I'm not being treated fairly. And I'm not being treated just. And you know that I'm not being treated uh, uh, just. However, Lord, you are in control of this situation. And Lord, even when others are not doing right, you will. And listen to this. Lord, even when life isn't fair, you are faithful. Even when life's not fair, you are faithful. And see, when you can say that, when you can finally come to the point where you take all the mess that you're going through that you don't deserve that's been dumped in your lap and you can turn it over to a heavenly father who loves you and who's in control of you and is going to work it out for your good, you go from being good to being great. So let me just give you a real life example. You've never heard of this man. This man, is, he's a Chinese. His name is Wang Ming Tao. I'm sure you've never heard of him. He is or was one of China's greatest evangelists for the gospel. When Mao Zedong was the ruler of China, this man was in prison for his faith. He did not create any problems for the Chinese government. He did not say anything negative about the Chinese government. All he did was pastor a church, preach the gospel, and share Jesus. That's all he did. But he was in prison for his faith. Under tremendous pressure and pain and persecution, they finally broke him when he, when he was in prison. He recanted his faith. He denied Christianity, and they let him out of jail. But from the get-go, he was miserable. I mean, he was just absolutely devastated. He knew he had failed God. And it wasn't very long after he was out of prison, he got on his knees and he made a decision. And here's what he said. He said, God, if it is your will for me to spend the rest of my life in prison doing what's right, I'd rather be there than to spend my life free doing what's wrong. If prison is what you want for me, I gladly accept it. He began to walk the streets of Beijing shouting out loud, my name is Peter. I have betrayed my Lord. My name is Peter and I betrayed my Lord, but I want all of China to know Jesus Christ is my Lord. Well, guess what? He was immediately arrested. For 19 years, this man suffered terribly in a Chinese prison, 19 years. 
Well, the day came, he was released, and he was telling his story to another Christian. And the Christian was asking him, how could you do it? How could you take, take that? How could you stay in that rat-infested, that, that stinking, terrible prison where you were beaten, where you were starved, where you were ridiculed, where you were spat upon, where you made to do unspeakably terrible things? How in the world could you do that and still maintain the joy and the faith in your life? And when he asked that question, that Mayo's, the, the, this evangelist asked him if he could sing a hymn that he sang in prison every day. And the man said, well, sure. And this man, now aged, in a broken down body, scarred, scarred, gnarled, bent over and, and with, with his almost blind wife sitting next to him, began to sing these words. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort. Here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Jesus, listen, Jesus who died on a cross. You ready? Jesus who died on a cross, who took the worst we could give to him while he was doing his best for us, can take us not just from bad to good, but from good to great. So you're, in, you're, you're one of those people today, and, and listen, you've got to make a decision. Nobody's going to argue with you that you're right in what you're saying. You got messed over. You're getting messed over. You've been treated unfairly. You're being treated unfairly. You got kicked in the teeth. You did the right thing. You took the right path. You made the right call. You, you, you took the high road, and you still got it in the gut. I get it. Can't change that. Yes, it's true. But where the devil wants to take it and turn it into a platform for your bitterness, God says, if you'll let me, I'll take it and turn it into a platform for your blessing. The choice is up to you. Let's pray together.